up, you beautiful bastards. Hope you've been a fantastic Monday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show, and let's just jump into it. The first thing we're gonna talk about today is the internet is weird, dumb, and fantastic news, and that's because we're starting off by talking about egg. And specifically, we're talking about world record egg, who as of recording this video has 3.7 million followers on Instagram. Although by the time this video is up, it is probably going to be much, much more. And that is because this Instagram account with just one photo of egg now holds the Instagram record for most liked Instagram post in history. The photo, which was posted just 10 days ago, reads, let's set a world record together and get the most liked post on Instagram, beating the current world record held by Kylie Jenner, 18 million. We got this. And unlike the other countless world record Instagram accounts, they did get it. Just flying past the previous winner, which was Kylie Jenner's Stormy Webster photo, whose comments now are spammed with egg emojis. Kylie Jenner also appears rightly unbothered by this, posting a simple meme video of her breaking an egg, which just after 15 hours was viewed over 20 million times. And judging by the world record eggs Instagram account, it appears that they're going to be selling merch soon, which I applaud. Congratulations on winning the social media lottery. Now make that money. Egg is now also verified, which uh, I imagine makes uh, a few of my YouTuber friends not too happy because they still don't have their blue check mark. And that's it, that's a story. It's stupid, it's adorable, none of it matters, but sometimes I need a little of that. But a question I did want to pass off with this story. Why do you think this and things like this happen? Like based off of the number of likes, there is a pretty decent chance that those of you watching right now, you hit that like button as well. Why, was it kind of just like, ha, this is ridiculous, be part of the meme? Is it like a super deep commentary about how we as a society value ourselves based off of things that get likes and we honor those who are able to get the most most likes, but then by putting an egg as the number one like getter, maybe we realize that life is dumb and a lot of us value things that really provide no value in our lives. We seek the attention and love from strangers without being able to really get to know ourselves first. Or, or it was just really kind of funny to you. Any and all answers are valid. And then let's talk about two pieces of not so great news in California. The first being that actually here in Los Angeles, we had tens of thousands of teachers out protesting and on strike this morning. And part of the reason this is such big news is this is the first teacher strike in LA in the last 30 years. As far as what the teachers union is asking for, they're asking for a 6.5% raise, as well as several changes to improve the quality of each student's education. Things that include hiring more teachers so that the class sizes can go down there have been reports and complaints that class sizes have gotten so large that there just aren't even enough desks to go around. Additionally, some schools don't have a librarian, they don't have a nurse, also reportedly demanding a reduction in standardized testing. But ultimately, this is one of those situations that we're gonna have to wait to see how the government responds. Right, do they fold as far as public pressure? Which way does it go? Because we've seen instances where people ended up being kind of anti-teacher, others saying just pay the damn teachers. As far as my personal reaction, I applaud the teachers that were out there in the rain this morning. I think the way that in a lot of states we take for granted don't support the people that are helping shape the future of this country. It's ridiculous. Specifically in LA, I don't know how the hell we could be taxed the way that we are and that this is even an issue as far as the funding is concerned. So much love and support to the teachers here in LA taking a stand both for themselves and the hundreds of thousands of children they are educating. But ultimately, we're gonna have to wait to see what happens next. But that said, the other bit of California news comes from Chico, California. And that's because over the weekend, there was a reported mass overdose in Chico, California. Responders administered CPR and gave at least six doses of naloxone to multiple adults, all between the ages of 19 and 30. Naloxone, if you don't know, is a treatment for opioid overdoses 
doses used as a nasal spray or an injection. And according to Chico Fire Department Division Chief Jesse Alexander, this was the largest mass casualty incident in years, and he recalled seeing six individuals receiving CPR at the same time. One person died at the scene, and 12 others were taken to the hospital. Two police officers were also hospitalized after saying they felt, quote, some effects, but have both been released in good condition. According to reports, at least two people are still in critical condition. Chico Police Chief Michael O'Brien said in a press conference that the scene was being treated as a hazmat site and said, so every indication is that this mass overdose incident was caused from the ingestion of some form of fentanyl in combination with another substance, although that is yet to be confirmed. We do anticipate confirmation in the coming days. So we were waiting and have been waiting, unfortunately, for this to happen in the sense that we knew fentanyl had been moving west. I mean, it really has been uh, in other parts of the country where they're really seeing the, uh, the greatest impacts of this particular drug. Um, that is changing, unfortunately. And now we've had this uh, uh, mass casualty incident, like the fire chief said, and um, likely to have been caused from fentanyl. You bet, that concern should concern us all. And so kind of with what was touched there, this is a California story, but it is so much more than a California story. We should really be talking more about fentanyl. According to the CDC, it is a synthetic opioid pain reliever. It's approved for treating severe pain. It is also 50 to 100 times more potent than morphine. While it can be prescribed by a physician, the recent rise in fentanyl-related harm and overdoses is linked to illegally made fentanyl. Oftentimes, it's mixed with heroin and or cocaine to increase its effects with or without the knowledge of the person taking it. And according to a National Vital Statistics report, it is now the drug most commonly involved in overdose deaths. And according to the report, approximately 70% of drug overdose deaths involving fentanyl or heroin involved at least one other specific drug. And that report also says the rate of drug overdose deaths involving fentanyl and fentanyl analogs doubled each year from 2013 through 2016. And overall, from 2011 through 2016, the number of drug overdose deaths increased by 54% from 41,340 deaths in 2011 to 63,632 deaths in 2016. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to mention this story out of California is because, once again, it's not a California problem, it's not a insert just one state problem. Around this, there is a genuine crisis in this country and it is not going to go away anytime soon. And then of course, let's talk about the now historic federal government shutdown. Today marks the 24th day of this partial federal government shutdown, making it the longest shutdown in the US's history. It's officially three days longer than the previous record, which was the 21 day shutdown between 1995 and 1996. The effects have been widespread. We talked about some last week, like national parks closing down, federal employees facing no paychecks, the ramifications of a continued shutdown on federal agencies like the IRS. And to revisit some of those, let's start with National Park. They were originally open during the shutdown, albeit with almost no services other than emergency personnel, but they're now closed to the public. Trash has been piling up, bathrooms have gone unattended for nearly four weeks. Additionally, there have been reports that some parks are being vandalized. Notably in Joshua Tree National Park, there were some people that decided to go out and destroy some of the Joshua Trees. You also had other major parks like Yellowstone and Yosemite facing similar problems over the lack of care. Which actually, on that note, the lack of services has caused private entities and citizens to fork up the money to pay for things like portable toilets and other facilities are shut down. We've also seen the National Park Service trying to keep parks open by using money set aside for future projects, but people have also criticized them, saying that they're misusing funds. As far as government employees, 800,000 federal government employees haven't been paid since the shutdown began, with just this past Friday many missing their first paycheck since the shutdown began, leaving families without means to pay bills. And even worse, for just over half of these 
10,000 people is the fact that they are required to work without pay because they are deemed essential employees. One of the largest agencies being affected and affecting thousands of Americans outside of the federal government system is the TSA. Although they're required to work, many have decided to just call out sick instead. And in fact, so many have called out sick that some airports have needed to take action to deal with the decreased staff. And to give you kind of an idea of how big of a deal this is, a spokesman for Miami International Airport said, we usually see 30 to 40 call outs per day, but that has doubled in the last few days. And as a result of this, we've seen things like at Houston's George Bush International Airport. They ended up shutting down the Terminal B security checkpoint, which of course makes travelers have to go to other terminals. That then of course leads to increased delays. At Miami International Airport, Terminal G was closed over the busy weekend and was only reopened today as travel dies down during the week. But that said, the TSA also claims the shutdown and decreased staffing hasn't really affected travelers, claiming that wait times at security checkpoints in some of the nation's busiest airports are still below the expected 30 minute wait. But on that note, there were videos being shared online this morning that show ridiculously long lines, like this one from Atlanta International Airport posted by Omar Jimenez. There's also been a lot of talk about from millions of Americans, the benefits they receive from the federal government being in jeopardy. And that's because many federal agencies had funds that extended past the December 22nd date of the shutdown. But as time goes on, those funds are quickly drying up. The Department of Housing and Urban Development hasn't been able to renew nearly 1,650 contracts with private building owners. This is important because they rent to thousands of low-income tenants who use the federal government to help pay rent. Tens of thousands of contractors who work with the federal government are not being paid, and unlike many federal employees, won't be receiving back pay. And for 39 million low-income Americans, the funding of SNAP is on the line. That being the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, otherwise known as food stamps, which helps low-income individuals and families get food. And right now, they're facing running out of funds in February, although the Trump administration has said that they could avoid this, but with one catch. Instead of paying out benefits in February itself, they would be paid out within the next two weeks. So while this may sound good, they're also concerned for the recipients. This is because they'll be getting their benefits more than a month early, which can cause issues with properly budgeting the money for the increased length of time. And there's also been talk about grocery stores facing a logistical problem, specifically about actually having enough fresh food available for the early SNAP fund. And that's because it's not just a drop in the bucket. Reportedly, these funds make up 10% of all grocery sales in the United States. And also a big thing to consider there is this is still only a temporary solution. We have no idea how long this is going to last, and there's no plan on how March's funds will be paid out. As far as other agencies that have been affected as well, the FDA has stopped many inspections of foods, including fruit, meat, seafood, and vegetables. And so this has caused a lot of people to worry about contaminated foods that may get out to the public. We, of course, recently had a big U.S. freakout about different types of lettuce being found to be contaminated with E. coli multiple times this year. You also have the SEC, the Securities and Exchange Commission. They're not fully staffed. And so this is reportedly leading to slowdowns in company mergers, that including the lags of the massive pending merger between T-Mobile and Sprint. It's also believed that this shutdown is going to have such a wide effect on the U.S. economy that J.P. Morgan actually lowered its U.S. GDP growth estimate, specifically for the first quarter, moving it from 2.25% to 2%. And on the surface level, if you're not super familiar, you're like, okay, well, 0.25%. According to reports, you're talking about a difference of nearly $30 billion. So that brings us to the question of, well, okay, are we closer to the government being funded? Well, as the shutdown continues, the stalemate between Trump, Senate Republicans, and the Democrats is just continuing. House Democrats have been trying to pass appropriation bills that fund certain parts of the government to alleviate issues for Americans. On Wednesday, January 9th, they attempted to fund the IRS and the Treasury Department to avoid issues regarding tax refunds being delayed. Eight House Republicans also supported this measure. Then on Friday, they passed similar bills to fund the EPA and other agencies, this time supported by 10 House Republicans. However, both of these bills are really just kind of DOA. They're dead on arrival. Senate Republicans, especially Mitch McConnell, has made it clear that any bill that doesn't have a chance of passing the Senate or of being vetoed, and that's the important thing here, won't see the floor for a vote. For the most part here, I will say I think that's really more of a PR move. While Donald Trump vetoing a bill and the bill never getting to go to the Senate, thus never going to Trump, have the same net effect, the optics of President Trump actually vetoing the bill are far, far worse. I know that sounds silly because the same thing is happening, or rather the same thing is not happening. But yeah, so right now there's no movement. Trump says he won't pass anything unless 
there's a wall in it. Democrats say there's not gonna be funding for a wall. Those positions haven't changed. Donald Trump has also really, really leaned into the, the fear angle. I remember last Thursday, we fact-checked some of the parts of Trump's address to the nation. Last night, Donald Trump tweeted, the Trump portrait of an unsustainable border crisis is dead on. In the last two years, ICE officers made 266,000 arrests of aliens with criminal records, including those charged or convicted of 100,000 assaults, 30,000 sex crimes, and 4,000 violent killings. America's southern border is eventually going to be militarized and defended, or the United States, as we have known it, is going to cease to exist. And Americans will not go gentle into that good night. Patrick Buchanan. The great people of our country demand proper border security now. The president also tweeting this morning, I've been waiting all weekend. Democrats must go to work now. Border must be secured. Nancy and Cry and Chuck can end the shutdown in 15 minutes. At this point, it has become their and the Democrats' fault. To which Nancy Pelosi and also many others tweeted this video in response. You know what I'll say? Yes. If we don't get what we want, one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call, I will shut down the government. With Pelosi's tweet, including the caption, the truth, Republicans started the Trump shutdown and Democrats are working to end it. Donald Trump, it is time for you to stop standing in the way of reopening the government. Let the Senate vote end the shutdown. Right now, while we're in a position where it doesn't seem like for those affected that there is a lot of relief in sight, we are seeing some companies, whether it be, you know, good PR for whatever reason, it appears that they're trying to work with people. AT&T released a statement saying, for our customers affected by the shutdown, you are eligible for flexible payment options to keep your service running. Just because the government shut down doesn't mean that your phone, TV, and internet should stop working too. Adding, as long as the shutdown is in effect, our customer service team will adjust late fees, provide extensions, and coordinate with you on revised payment schedules. Verizon, Sprint, and T-Mobile have also said that they'll help affected customers with flexible payment options. They also the likes of Wells Fargo and Chase saying they'll work with those affected by the shutdown. So it's good to see and hear that, but also at the same time, you know part of this comes from a place of it's not gonna look great for them if they're charging people overage fees or ridiculous, outrageous things. Specifically, the people being affected there would be like Joe and Jane Doe who, who are working for the government. But ultimately, that's where we are. And once again, the, the reason I say I'm not sure when this shutdown could end, even politicians like Lindsey Graham, who has been a really, surprisingly, especially when you look at his previous comments about Trump, has been one of the biggest cheerleaders for Trump in recent days, tweeting no wall money, no deal. Even he urged the president to just like bring back the government for a little bit, three weeks, saying, see if we can get a deal. If we can at the end of three weeks, all bets are off. See if he can do it by himself through the emergency powers. And reportedly, Trump rejected that call. So we, uh, we are where we are. And of course, like with everything we talk about, I do want to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts around this? And that's where I'm ending today's show. And remember, if you like this video, you like these daily dives into the news, let us know. Hit that like button. Also, if you're new here, you want more of these daily dives, whether it be the regular Philip DeFranco show or the extra morning news shows on Tuesday and Thursday, just hit subscribe, maybe ring that bell to turn on notifications. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.